Now tonight we'll be picking up in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And last week we concluded there in verse 15. The apostle writes, How shall they preach except they be sent? Now this is speaking in reference to declaring Christ and Him crucified. And so how shall they preach the gospel except they be sent? Beloved, all those who are called and sent of God preach the same gospel of God concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. As it is written in Isaiah chapter 22, 52, verse 7, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You see, the Lord our God has wisely ordained the teaching, indeed the preaching of the gospel of Christ to the great benefit and blessing to his church, his covenant chosen people. And so, beloved, that's why we make much of the preaching of the gospel. That's why we make much of the teaching and proclaiming of the word of God, book by book, verse by verse, and word by word. You see, my friend, the Lord has promised to bless his word to his people. He said, and this is by Isaiah's pen, but it is indeed the word of God. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Indeed, his word will go where he sends it, and it will not return unto him void. Rather, it will prosper wherever he sends his word. You see, the Lord has commanded his church to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And we read that there in Mark 16, verse 15, how that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, the glorious message of God concerning his son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, frequently we hear people proclaiming it as a simple invitation. And I'm sure many of you have heard that kind of language before how that the gospel is an invitation. But you see, the only problem with that is this. The gospel of Christ is not a mere simple invitation to sinners to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Indeed, you can't find that word invitation anywhere in the Bible. Nor can you find the phrase, accept Jesus as your personal Savior. You see, this gospel message is the glorious command of the King who is God of all the earth. You see, the command of the king is not an invitation to men to accept Jesus as their Savior. Rather, it's a commanding call to repent and believe the gospel of Christ and bow and submit unto him who is the Lord, our righteousness. Um, turn with me for a moment to Matthew chapter 22. There is a word there, and this is in the parable of our Lord, where he speaks about the, the wedding banquet. And, and in verse 9, we see this word here, bid. Our Lord says, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. That word bid means call. It's not an invitation. It's a sovereign call from the king. And 
it's probably one of the most offensive things to the carnal, fleshly man to hear that the gospel is command. That it is not that we accept Jesus Christ. No, beloved, we receive him as our Lord and God. In fact, the language that is becoming of a king is we receive him. We don't accept him. I mean, if we're talking about earthly monarchs, if an earthly monarch says something before you and you say with some sort of pomp, uh, I accept, I approve, uh, you'll lose your head. <laughs> our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, is a sovereign king. And beloved, we receive him undeservedly by his grace. Now, if you look at verse 16, going back to Romans chapter 10, Romans 10, verse 16, the apostle continues there, and he writes, But but God sent forth gospel preachers into all the world to preach the gospel of peace, to preach the gospel of the good news of the grace of God's mercy to sinners through Christ, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. And here the apostle quotes from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Who hath believed our preaching, our testimony, our account of the good news of Christ? You see, my friend, men left to their own wicked heart of stone will not believe or obey the gospel of God. Not left to yourself, you won't. You see, the natural man will not, indeed will not, and cannot, through his own fallen and depraved will, submit unto the righteousness of God revealed in Christ. You see, God must make us willing in the day of his power to submit unto the righteousness of his Son. And we heard that portion read to us at the beginning. Brother Tyler was reading there from Psalm 110, verse 3. We read, in verse 3, thy people, and this is speaking about the elect of God, God's elect chosen people amongst the Jews and the Gentiles. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. And this is, this is the testimony throughout the scriptures. Left to ourselves, we will not and cannot come to Christ. You see, God must make us willing in the day of his power to submit under the righteousness of of his beloved and well-pleasing son. My friend, the good news, this glorious report of the gospel is true. And it ought to be believed. But because of our willful rebellion against God, sinners left to themselves will not believe the gospel. And we studied the reason for this in Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, the carnal mind will not receive the things of the Spirit of God. This glorious report of the good news of the gospel. And tis true, my friend, no doubt about that. For this report is founded upon the unchangeable word of God. As we read in, in, in chapter 3, Romans chapter 3. God be true, but every man a liar. Indeed, everyone a liar, and God be true. I came upon this quote today from an article entitled, and I do beg your pardon, this is going to be 
offensive to hear. But at the same time, we know that the person who wrote it, it's God who made us to differ. We didn't make ourselves to differ. But this is what this uh, Enemy of the Cross titled their article. And I'm sure you come across this day in, day out. You know, you all have, uh, a lot of you, no matter how young or old you are, <laughs> I think everyone here has a smartphone. And uh, even uh, Brother James has succumbed to the virus. <laughs> but we all get these... Uh, this information puts to us this deluge of enmity, day in, day out. This is what the title of this article is. The evidence that Jesus ever existed is weaker than you might think. And in that article, the liar writing uh, puts forth the following information. And I, I do beg your pardon. I merely quote this enemy of the cross to illustrate how God's own word brings to light the darkness of fallen man's lies. The author writes, and without any citations, because there are none, and, and again, I apologize, you'll have to suffer the, the pomp of this writer who seems to have been given up to a reprobate mind. She writes, the Gospels were not written by eyewitnesses. Every bit of our ostensibly biographical information for Jesus comes from just four texts, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Though most Christians assume that associates of Jesus wrote these texts, no objective biblical scholar thinks so. None of the four Gospels claims to be written by eyewitnesses, and all were originally anonymous. Only later were they attributed to men named in the stories themselves. End quote. How shall I respond? I won't. <laughs> I will simply continue to, to, to declare God's own words, for there is nothing to debate, nothing to argue about. Now, this is what our brother John wrote, John the Evangelist, in his first letter. I remember this author said there was no eyewitnesses. Listen to this eyewitness speak of our Lord. Uh, turn with me, if, if you would, there to First John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. Our brother John the Evangelist writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. They heard our Lord, they saw our Lord, they touched our Lord. The life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Beloved, are you not thankful that we know these things? You see, if you ask these pseudo-intellectuals, I should know, say for the grace of God, I would still be in the dark with them. If I ask them, isn't it true that everything you know could be wrong? I come up to these pseudo-intellectuals and ask them that question. Isn't it true that everything you could know could be wrong? 
And they will confess, oh yes, that's possible. But for the believer, there are some things, beloved, we know to be certain and true. Turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. And I, I love, this is only one place, beloved, but I love all the places where God sets forth this testimony of God's people. Beloved, we just don't believe these things. We know these things. They have been revealed from above, on high, undeservedly. Verse 20, 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. Beloved, we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Our Lord said this on at least five occasions. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You see, beloved, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed. And God enabling, we will. But because of our willful rebellion and sin, left to ourselves, none of us believe the gospel. You see, this has to be a work of God. Um, I don't have this reference in my notes, but, but I think it would be helpful to look at this other portion as well. You see, the, the atheist, those who are against God, they will mock the believer and, and laugh and say, well, you believe what's in this book. That's a circular reasoning. That's what they say. But listen to what our Lord and God Jesus Christ says to Nicodemus, explaining how this is a revelation, not merely from the book. We must have the truth. We must have this book. But it is also a revelation from above. God reveals these things to our hearts. He, he puts, as it says in the scriptures, he sheds abroad in our hearts a love for him, a love for his son, a love for his word, a love for his people. And in John chapter 3, in verse I'll pick up reading there in verse 5. Our Lord is speaking here, and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And our Lord is speaking here with the same language of the prophet Ezekiel. Speaking of the water, this is speaking about the clear, clean water of the word of God, the truth of God. No one can be born from above unless they hear the truth of the gospel. And there's one more thing that's required. The spirit. God must bless the truth of the word of God with his spirit. And when that happens, beloved, a miracle happens. <laughs> you believe the truth as it is in Christ the truth as it is in Jesus. And one more reference. John chapter 15, beginning there towards the end, I believe. This is how our Lord speaks to us as to how any of us are born from above, how it is that we are made to not merely believe these things. Oh, mom and dad believe this. No, 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 no. How we know these things, they're revealed to us. And our Lord condescends to explain how this Indeed happens. Verse 26, John 15. When the Comforter is come, when the Holy Spirit is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. 
<laughs> That's so, so good to read our Lord's words. He doesn't say, testify of this doctrine or that doctrine or this verse backed up with that other verse. No, beloved, the Spirit testifies of him, of his blessed person and his finished saving work. And so who had believed this gospel? This is the question that the apostle was asking. Only those who were and are called and blessed by the power of God to hear it, to be born again by the Spirit of God. Indeed, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Please turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, and I'll begin reading there in verse 35. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is a light with you. Now we know that the Lord is that light. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he, whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of the light. These things spake Jesus, and departed, and he did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm or the power of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, and this is from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10, quoted many times in the New Testament, Verse 40, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. You see that? Beloved, believing the gospel is a miracle because faith is the gift of God. All right, let's uh, return to Romans 10. And look there in verse 17. So then, and here the apostle is summing up what he's been saying here from verse 13 through to verse 16. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now what do we know about faith? Well, faith is the precious gift of God, obtained by the righteousness of Christ. Faith is the precious gift of God, and the Lord our God gives that precious gift to whom he will. Indeed, faith is the gift of God, and faith comes by hearing the true report of the gospel of God. Now, be sure you understand, faith comes by hearing the true report of the gospel of God concerning Christ. True faith does not come by listening to the lies of false preachers. No, no. Rather, faith comes by hearing true preaching. You see, my friend, true faith is born of right knowledge. And so when a preacher says God speaks to the heart through the ear, well, that's a good statement. Indeed, God does speak to the heart, to the understanding of his people through the ear. You see, you cannot have true faith while sitting under and listening to what is false. My friend, you will never learn the truth by listening to lies. For it is the truth, our Lord says, that will set you free. 
and faith is the gift of God that comes to his elect through the means that he has ordained. Remember that verse in Acts chapter 13, verse 48? As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. What does that mean? Very simply this. As many as were ordained to eternal life will believe the true gospel of God as the truth is in our Lord Jesus. You see, it has pleased God by the preaching of the gospel to call out his people. So then faith depends on hearing and hearing depends on the word of God from the Christ of God. And beloved, it's absolutely essential to hear the word. And I'm using that word with a capital W. For Christ himself is the word made flesh. And so faith depends on hearing, and hearing depends on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is called the word of God. My friend, if you're going to have this precious gift of faith, of which the Lord said, without faith no man can please God, it's absolutely essential then to hear the word of God and to hear Christ in the word. Our Heavenly Father declares this, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. You see, beloved, when our Heavenly Father opens our heart, he opens his book that we may see his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Apostle James writes in the book that bears his name there in the first chapter, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Beloved, we're born again with the incorruptible word of God that lives and abides forever, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now faith is the precious gift of God, but many have not believed the true report of God. Look at Romans 10, verse 18. Here the, the apostle continues. But I say, have, not, have they not heard? Now this is referring to those who had the prophets and the writings of Moses. Has Israel, the Jewish people of old, not heard? Oh, yes, they had. Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Have they, the Jewish nation of Israel, have they not heard the gospel? Oh, yes, they had. They had the gospel. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation will I anger you. You see, they had the blessed gospel. So many preachers were sent to them, and so, yes, they had the word of God. Remember what our Lord said to those people in John chapter 5? You search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. They had the law of Moses and the prophets. Remember what Peter said in his testimony in Acts chapter 10? Speaking of Christ, he says, To him give all the prophets witness. I don't like to bring remarks that are just spontaneous of the moment behind the pulpit. <laughs> you know me by that, by now. But, uh, you know, 
we see in the world this uh, great migration of Muslims going all over the world out of countries where the gospel can't be brought to. And I'm convinced, I'm certain, none of us will object to what I'm going to say. <laughs> all things work together for good, for those who love God, to call it according to his purpose. So there might be more Muslims in our neighborhood, more Muslim neighbors, and so on. And that's for this very reason. Um, may God uh, give us the privilege to uh, open our mouth <laughs> and preach to them Jesus. I've spoken to a few Muslims, and I like to find excuses to just repeat the words of our Lord. And um, I'm convinced of this. If you put a Christian in Mecca, one Christian in Mecca, in that big mosque, wherever it's called, do you know that Christian in Mecca would be the only person in that whole building that actually believed the prophets? <laughs> This is what the whole book is talking about. All those prophets preach someone's coming. And then in John chapter 1, we hear that excited uh, Philip running to Nathaniel, saying, we have found him, <laughs> the one who Moses and the prophets give testimony of, Jesus of Nazareth. And what a, what a privilege, what a, what a miracle every believer is that we actually truly do believe the message of the prophets. Uh, I know that the Lord has an elect people amongst the Muslims and the Jews and every nation. And uh, it's so good to hear that this book has one message, <laughs> Christ and him crucified. And often, maybe you're guilty like I am. We look around and we think, well, can't you see? Can't you hear? <sighs> no one will hear. No one will see, no one will believe, except God does a work in their heart. And the reason why we gather here to hear the preaching of the gospel, the reason why the emphasis, the centrality of every local church of God, why it's preaching? Because we read in the word of God, it pleased God through what the world calls foolishness to save them through this one means preaching. <laughs> you know, people beat up believers for preaching. Just tell them, I'm just declaring to you, I don't want you to hear me. I don't want you to hear what I'm thinking or what my opinion. I just want to declare to you what God says. You say Christ died for everyone. Are you interested in what he said? He said, I gave my life for the sheep. In fact, I want to show you this, this portion. You're familiar with it, many of you. First Corinthians chapter 1. So if you find yourself somewhere and the Lord opens up an opportunity to uh, declare Jesus, <laughs> our Lord, um, what a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. <laughs> and why, why, why would I want to emphasize that? Well, because our Lord and God tells us right here in verse 21, and I'll begin there in verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's not the power of our flesh. It's not the power of the so-called free will of man. It's of the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. To him give all the prophets witness. Beloved, every prophet of God tells us about the gospel of Christ, and most certainly the law of Moses spoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord declares to those Jews, Had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. So they had the law and the prophets, they had the tabernacle, they had the temple, they had all these blessings sent of God, they had the law of Moses. They heard the preaching of John the Baptist. Remember John's message when he came preaching? He declared, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You see, Christ, Jesus, our Lord, is that promised Lamb. And they even heard the gospel ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ himself for three years. And some said, Never man spake like this man. And others said, His word was with power and with authority. And they heard not only the law and the prophets, Moses, and the preaching of John the Baptist, they also heard the ministry and the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they heard the apostles preach the gospel. They heard Paul, they heard Peter, and the other apostles preach that message. Indeed, every faithful minister of the gospel says with Paul, I'm determined to know not to, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so indeed, the sound of the gospel was preached throughout their world in their day and even beyond them to the Gentile world. They had the privilege of gospel preachers being sent to them. God even raised up one special preacher for that purpose to preach the gospel unto the Gentiles. As it says in Romans 11, and this is verse 13, where the Apostle Paul writes there, For I speak to you Gentiles, Inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. And so God sent them prophet after prophet and preacher after preacher. And then Paul called himself this in Ephesians chapter 3. Unto me, who am the less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus my Lord. And so Paul says, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Verse 19. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And this is speaking here about the Gentiles, his elect amongst the nations. And by a foolish nation will I anger you. The Lord our God through Moses gave this prophecy. And this is recorded for us in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 21. Now, you don't need to turn there. I'll just read it to you. God's word declares, They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And this is a reference how that God was provoked to anger by their many, many idols. And I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. And again, this is speaking of the Gentile nations, his elect amongst the Gentiles. Remember what we read there in Romans chapter 9, verse 30? The apostle writes there, 
asks this question. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. This is the question he asks and then he answers. I'll repeat that. I want to give you the sense and the meaning of the verse. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. They stumbled over the rock that God had established, the foundation that God had established, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ alone. You see, the Lord our God was pleased to choose an ignorant, sinful, and foolish people and call them unto salvation to provoke those Jewish people. Now, this verse here speaks of the Lord calling the ignorant and the foolish, and we read that also in 1 Corinthians Turn there with me. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. The apostle writes there, indeed, God's word declares. In First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. We preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. And all of this according to the wisdom of God, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. All right, back to Romans chapter 10, verse 20. Paul continues, But Isaiah, and this quote is from Isaiah chapter 65, verse 1, But Isaiah is very bold, and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. And again, the apostle is referring to God calling out the Gentile people, his elect among the nations of the world. Isaiah speaks even more boldly concerning the calling of the Gentiles and casting off of the reprobate Jews. Now, be sure you know there is a remnant among the Jews that he will save. And so we're going to see much more of this in chapter 11, and that deals uh, further on that subject. Uh, look at Romans chapter 11, verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, 
lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. The advantage and advancement of the Gentiles was altogether of God's free grace. You see, by God's electing grace, by his sovereign will, God sets forth for us to read, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. I was found of them that sought me not. You see, whenever the preaching of the gospel comes among the Gentiles, it comes among them unasked for, unexpected, and undesired by them. And further, the gospel and all these blessings beside comes to them undeservedly, and all of it by God's grace and goodness. You see, it's all of God's grace that we are found of him. We may say, like, uh, like Philip, we have found him. <laughs> but truly, beloved, we hear our Lord say to us, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. And we say, yea and amen, Lord. <laughs> and even in our fragile, weak faith, we continue to say, Lord, don't leave me to myself. <laughs> don't leave me alone. You're all of my salvation. If any of my salvation depended upon me, I would not be saved. But praise the Lord, <laughs> he saves us to the uttermost. The author and finisher of our faith the author and finisher of our salvation. Now look here uh, at verse 21. I was found of them that sought me not, and all in the purpose of God, according to election that it might stand. Verse 21. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands. All the day long, hundreds and hundreds of years, the Lord stretched forth his hands, unto a disobedient and gainsaining people. For hundreds and hundreds of years, Israel had the blessings of the gospel. Remember Romans 3, verse 1? The apostle writes there, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. You see, they had the word of God, they had the prophets of God. They had the priesthood. They had the tabernacle. They had the temple of God. They had all these special blessings given to them. They had many advantages and privileges over all other people. They had the word. They had the prophets. They had the priests. They had those sacrifices typical of Christ, the blood offerings, the Day of Atonement, the Passover feast. But when you look at their history, it's one of constant rebellion and unbelief against God. But to Israel, the Lord says, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaining people. Indeed, when you look at their history, for the most part, it's a history of rebellion and unbelief. And when the Messiah was sent among them, what did they do to him? What did they say? Away with him. We have no king but Caesar. Away with the Lord Jesus Christ and crucify him. Peter levied this charge against them on the day of Pentecost. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2. He said this of the Lord Jesus Christ. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain the Lord of glory. 
the worst thing that has ever happened in history is the death of God's Son. You don't know the best thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind? <laughs> the death of God's Son. And yet the Lord stretched out his hand all the day long unto them. And indeed he is stretching out his strong arm even now. God is long-suffering and merciful. The designs of the ministry of the prophets, the Lord sent them one after another, the preaching of John and of Christ and the apostles among them. But they were a stiff-necked, rebellious people, uncircumcised in heart, ears that would have none of his counsel, none of his word, that glorious, perfect word that has no contradiction. They rejected and they rejected the gospel and killed the prince of life and persecuted his apostle, even unto death. All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Now, let's uh, keep your place there in Romans chapter 10 and, and look with me in Luke chapter 11, or rather chapter 13. Here we see our Lord saying the same thing we just read. The last verse of Romans 10, verse 21. Romans 13, verse 34. These are the words of our Lord and God speaking here. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. The Lord said, you will not come to me that you might have life. Verse 35. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, ye shall not see me until the time come when ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Well, that concludes our look at Romans chapter 10. Uh, next week, the Lord willing, the, nor the Lord enabling, we'll be looking at Romans chapter 11. Beloved, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Look back with me again at Romans 10. I love that verse 13. Beloved, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's his name? Call his name Jesus. Jehovah saves for he shall save his people from their sins.